This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Hello there. This is Brian, Warren, and Jennifer from the Wabash Valley Power Alliance Economic Development Team. Together with 19 rural electric member cooperatives, we serve communities in 48 Indiana counties. And we're proud to sponsor today's IEDA In Your Ear podcast. Enjoy. For this podcast, we're going to be talking about the Rural Road to Recovery initiative launched by Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch on August the 7th. The plan is intended to coordinate recovery response from the agencies that are considered the Lieutenant Governor's family of business. So joining me today to talk about the details are Matt Crouch and Scott Rudd. Matt is the Interim Executive Director of the Indiana Office of Community and Rural Affairs, or as we commonly know it, OCRA, and Scott Rudd is the Director of Broadband Opportunities for the Lieutenant Governor. So Matt and Scott, thanks for taking time to talk to me today. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. So Matt, let's turn to you first and begin by sharing an overview of the Rural Road to Recovery Initiative. You know, what is it? What do you intend to accomplish with it? Yeah, thank you, Lee. So to start off first, you know, Scott and I have the uh, honor of working for the Lieutenant Governor. And, you know, she commonly challenges her staff, her the agency heads to think bigger, to react accordingly, and to really support those communities that are striving for excellence. And so as the Secretary of Agriculture and Rural Development, you know, Lieutenant Governor Crouch came to us and said, you know, I want you to come up with a plan, a six-month plan, to identify what areas we need to serve, and we being the, the family of business, uh, Indiana Housing Community Development Authority, Indiana State Department of Agriculture, Indiana Destination Development Corporation, Indiana Broadband Office, and Office of Community Rural Affairs, of what kind of resources and best practices we need to provide to rural communities to help them, you know, survive and and ultimately be able to bounce back uh, after the pandemic. And so, you know, she had us uh, work with Purdue Center for Regional Development, uh, Roberto Gallardo, uh, Melinda Grismer, and Bo Ballou, and also Ball State's Indiana Communities Institute, uh, David Terrell, Jeff Shoemaker, uh, and. Uh, we had them ultimately research for us key data, key trends, as well as conduct uh, surveys, stakeholder group meetings, uh, focus group meetings, and help us navigate uh, the process of taking all that information and coming up with a plan of priorities that we should be focused on for those next six months. Um, so this is going to serve as a guide, and it has, and a strategy for us moving forward of how do we deploy the limited resources that we have, because I'm sure that everyone has seen the news, you know, the state, like local uh, units of government, like businesses, you know, individuals, um, you know, have to deal with the consequences of, um, you know, the impact of the pandemic uh, on our economy. And so, you know, so many state agencies, you know, we've had to limit our 
budgets. We've had to cut back on those. We have openings that we're not able to fill um, with staff members. And so we need to be strategic moving forward to ensure that we're helping the communities in, in the best way possible. And so this is a really a, a tool for us to communicate to our stakeholders, whether it's, you know, um, local units of government, economic development professionals, farmers, businesses, destination marketing uh, organizations, what it is that we're gonna be focused on and the best way that we see in, in helping them through the pandemic. So looking at, at what you shared with me about the plan, uh, it looks like including okra, there are five sort of agency footprints, uh, one of which is Scott's office and broadband. And so we're gonna hold that to the last and let him uh, talk about what he's doing. But take a minute and walk through the other four, starting with Okra, the other four agency footprints that fall under the lieutenant governor, and talk about what some of the findings, some of the priorities, you know, what are some of the elements of the plan for each of those agencies? Yeah, absolutely. And so for, for Okra, you know, we, we had kind of three key priorities that, that came from uh, our focus groups and the, and the feedback that we, we did a lot of um, research and kind of internal discussions as well since uh, we were able to use you know the lessons that we learned you know during the last downturn in the economy you know 2010 2011 uh, as well and, and we learned a lot from that from those and so you know one of the first things that we wanted to work on was you know the renew renew the agency's focus on engaging communities at a local level and a regional level. And so community liaisons have always been a strong suit of the agency, having them live and work in the communities that they serve. And so one of the things that we've been doing with them is engaging with, with universities, engaging with other agencies, even at the federal and state level to ensure that they are updated on the information that's available and ensuring that they're acting as a conduit to those local elected officials, to those LIDOs, um, other key stakeholders, and ensuring that in these times with capacity being limited and so much information coming in, that they can help act as that trusted source of information and ensure that if there's key opportunities for the communities that they don't miss out on those opportunities. So, so that's one of the things that we've been doing. Um, we've also been piloting with, uh, with Indiana University's Center for Rural Engagement um, and the School of Public Health on a community health improvement plan where we're piloting in, in two counties, uh, Davies and, and Dearborn counties, and we're, or Decatur County, sorry, um, where we're going to be working with them to build capacity at the local level and ensure that communication from the local health department to the local hospital to city hall, that information is being spread and making it out to the local constituents, making it out to the local businesses. And we're looking for ways that we can improve this um, so that it's not only going to help during the pandemic, but for other key health, um, you know, obstacles or challenges like the opioid um, as well. So uh, the second thing that came up to us was expanding access to information and resources that are vital. So we've been working really hard on researching uh, different kind of toolkits 
for uh, helping small businesses, helping uh, rural leaders on our, how do we uh, make sure that our local downtown quarters uh, don't lose uh, all the businesses, that we're keeping those strong and supporting them. One of the first responses to the uh, pandemic was we, we started partnering with Purdue Center for Regional Development and um, the Ohio State University to create the uh, HBPI, so um, Hometown Business um, Initiative, where we were helping communities uh, understand what it takes to create a revolving loan fund um, and sustain those efforts to help small businesses. Um, and then we've also been working with the National Main Street Center to provide trainings for communities and our Main Street organizations on best practices from across the nation. So the last thing that came, uh, last priority for Okra is the repurpose and deployment of our resources uh, to help during this time. So, you know, we've been fortunate enough to receive $51 million um, from HUD directly to Okra. We've had two rounds where we've deployed it from everything from helping with public facilities to protective equipment to grants and loans to small businesses. Um, we've also uh, just recently announced a partnership program with FSSA, um, and that's going to help adults with disabilities overcome social isolation. Um, and then we also use some of our state funds in order to help uh, Main Street organizations that have been struggling due to the fact they haven't been able to get out there and have events and have fundraisers. And so this is going to help with operating costs. So those are kind of three areas that Okra has been focused on, you know, and I'm not an expert on the, the other three agencies, um, but I can provide, you know, kind of a quick overview of what they're going to be accomplishing. So the Indiana Community, uh, Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority, you know, they've been focusing on rental assistance, safe and affordable housing while preventing foreclosure, um, and then offering assistance to nonprofits. So, you know, they launched uh, $40 million dollars program to help with rental assistance around the entire state, you know, where they've received more than 10,000 applications uh, from renters. Um, and this is providing direct resources to landlords so that you help ensure that families and individuals, Hoosiers aren't uh, ending up out on the street, um, you know, decrease evictions and ultimately increase, you know, the housing stability. For, the, for those renters. So, you know, they've also been working on providing different kind of training for property managers um, and then resources for closure prevention as well. Uh, the next agency, the State Department of Agriculture, you know, they've been focused on assisting with deploying a broadband, which, you know, Scott's going to get into in a little bit. Um, you know, they've been working on different ways to strengthen the career pipeline to help individuals that are looking at uh, entering uh, the workforce in some kind of agriculture related position or job. You know, last week, Lieutenant Governor announced along with ISDA a $4 million grant program that's going to help with, um, you know, some of the uh, issues that have been occurring in the food supply chain um, around the state. And so this grant will be helping with those meat processing businesses and provide some assistance to them, whether they're wanting to increase their capabilities um, or you know, get back up to where they were before. So the last one I'll talk about before, you know, turn it over to Scott is the Indiana Destination Development Corporation. You know, they've been focusing on promoting safety uh, and reassuring on Hoosiers and uh, 
visitors to the state of, you know, how to get back out there and feel comfortable in, you know, visiting our different tourist destinations or the businesses in the, the leisure industry. Um, so, you know, they rolled out the Hoosier Hospitality Promise, which is an assurance to anyone that's willing to shop at one of these locations that take that promise that they know, you know, they're going to go in there and, you know, that business ha has contributed uh, to their safety by making sure that they're wearing masks, that they're acting and, you know, taking uh, proper uh, distancing measures and uh, cleaning their facilities. You know, uh, the other thing that they've been working on is laying the kind of groundwork for regional development in the future. So they've been working closely with their destination marketing organizations and um, other key in, uh, groups on ways to kind of take a step back and look at uh, travel industry and tourism industry from a regional uh, aspect. And then, you know, last week, the Lieutenant Governor announced in partnership with the IDDC and the Indiana Arts Commission, you know, $10 million worth of grants that were given out to uh, the leisure industry and other nonprofits around the state to, to help them, uh, you know, navigate and survive. I, I've spoke a lot, and so I'm sure anybody that's listening is now asleep. So it's now time to turn to Scott to wake back. <laughs> well, and Scott, you know, uh, certainly, and, and Matt has touched upon a couple of places where broadband has, has certainly come to the fore, and certainly was before all of this, but it's become much more of probably something that's much more at the forefront of people's minds. So talk a little bit about how, uh, so I'll do a two-prong question. Uh, how you fit into the uh, Rural Road to Recovery initiative, but then also, you know, how have you, what do you see as sort of the future uh, for where you go with your broadband office? Yeah, thank you, Lee. Um, as you mentioned, I've, I've got the honor of uh, serving as the first director of broadband opportunities for the lieutenant governor overseeing the Indiana Broadband Office. <clears throat> And it, uh, my first day on the job was uh, oh, a couple of years ago, and it has been a fascinating two years in broadband. And, and Matt is shaking his head because, you know, Okra was charged, I think it was my first day on the job, it was announced that there was a $100 million Next Level Connections grant program uh, that would be rolled out. Uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, had the foresight two years ago to anticipate these intense needs and prepare in advance, you know, for what, something that we didn't even know was coming in this pandemic. But, you know, to think, you know, two, three years ago, this was this, this incredible investment in broadband was taking place, I think speaks to the leadership at that level. And so day one on the job, we were, we were deep in, in uh, next level connections, grant work uh, overseen by Okra. And we've seen two phases of that roll out. Um, and then as we all know, you know, right in the middle of the second phase being rolled out, we were hit with this pandemic and the relevance of that conversation surrounding broadband, you know, obviously spiked. Um, all of the agencies you see here that, that Matt ran through, you know, what, what I see the broadband office, uh, you know, the role we play is kind of binding those offices together and, and agencies together in many ways around broadband. If you think about agricultural or, or tourism or housing, you know, and, and okra in the rural areas that we try to reach, 
each and every one of those are going to depend really heavily on access to digital infrastructure, not just to operate their, their business or their household, but but also, as we all know, just just to function, you know, uh, and, and access healthcare and, and education. And, you know, so we've had a, a very interesting six months in the broadband space, uh, you know, with schools reopening right in the middle of this. That was a really important focus of, of, of our efforts as an office is to assist those schools who were quite frankly facing one of the most challenging situations I, I can imagine and, and in a space you know with broadband trying to connect thousands of students is one of the toughest things I've ever seen happen in this space the governor also you know uh, kind of responded to that effort in, in a way that that directly put devices and connectivity in the hands of those thousands of students right in the middle of COVID through the, the $50 million Governor's Emergency Education Fund. And so districts across the state were able to connect thousands of students through that fund right in the heart of COVID at one of the most important times and junctures in our in at least our educational process. And so really proud of the work that, that's happened there, much more work to do. So now looking forward, right, and, and, and we're in the recovery phase, the first phase of our road to rural recovery, you know, how does our office make an impact and bind these groups together and provide resources to move this conversation forward and, and ultimately create connections for Hoosier businesses, students, and, and residents. And so one of the most important things I think that we can do and, and that we are working on is, is being a, a single point of contact for anyone in the state who has an issue or an interest or a need for broadband, whether you're a constituent uh, living in, in a rural area or an urban area or a business or a student or a teacher or a parent or a grandparent or a community leader seeking to attract investment. We want to be your point of contact to provide you with information and technical advice that can help you get there quicker. Uh, and speed is of the essence here, right? We, we know that the quicker we can get these connections, the, the, the healthier our community and our state will be. The other piece that we want to really play, a, play an important role on is, is, is identifying and sharing information on best practices that are happening across the state in very innovative ways. You know, I am seeing incredible projects and effort and momentum happening. Uh, in, for example, in the North west part of the state there's a region there that launched uh, is preparing to launch the nation's first ever broadband aerostat this was a project that was partially funded through the governor's emergency education fund it's the wabash heartland innovation network region they are putting uh, a broadband aerostat in the air and and using that to leverage a, a kind of a nationally uh, renowned agricultural precision ag kind of economic development area there so incredible work happening there in the southwest part of the state. Uh, public broadcasting was awarded through the governor's uh, grant, a, a, an award to stand up a new technology called data casting uh, for students in that area. So to give those two examples, to give you an idea of, of, the, of the really creative things that are happening across the state, all being driven by local leadership. And that is kind of leads me to my third piece increasing the capacity of local leaders, particularly Lee, uh, your members in the economic development field, this is an economic development issue. And we wanna build things like digital inclusion into each of these economic development strategies so that we can actually, at the end of the day, uh, realize the value of a connection, right? So we can, put the, we can put the connection and the infrastructure in the ground, but if people don't adopt it, and they're not digitally included in our new digital ecosystem, 
then the value of that connection is not realized. And so we want to be sure to, to connect with your members, Lee. I appreciate you having me back on a second time uh, to talk about the importance of broadband now in this new and kind of enhanced time. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll stop there. And uh, did I get your second question? Uh, yeah. Before you move on, so you you tossed out a term and a word uh, <laughs> that I'm not familiar with, and I may I may misremember it or mispronounce it. But you said aerostat. Is that what you were? Is that, that it? What is that? Uh, I'm not familiar with that concept. Yeah. So it's a really interesting thing. It's something I think everyone is learning about. It's the first in the nation, but it's it's essentially a blimp. And it's a tethered blimp. Think of a rope, you know, like the old cartoon. I forget what that movie was. You, you, air, you know, raise people into the air on a rope. Well, this rope, instead of being rope, is fiber. And in the blimp, there are radios that broadcast many miles through a high-powered spectrum that can reach folks uh, living in that area and businesses in the back 40 of an agricultural operation with connectivity. So really fascinating, uh, first of its kind in the United States, to my knowledge, um, incredible precision ag kind of ecosystem being built there uh, in Northwest Indiana. I mean, that was a concept uh, when you talked about it uh, that didn't, I mean, I didn't know what that was. So that'll be interesting. Is that something as we would be going in and you said that was Northwest Indiana? Yeah, it's the area around West Lafayette, uh, multi-county region there. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, is that something we'll actually be able to see if we're driving up there? Yeah, it'll be. I think they're going to rate it's I think at 2000 feet in the air. And so, yeah, you'll be able to see it and they want to do more. Yeah. Fascinating work there. And those are the kind of solutions and really innovative local leadership approaches that that are going to pull us out of uh, of this situation as quickly as possible. And that's the that's the key is how do we recover? And from my perspective, as quickly as possible, as you know, Lee, these investments can take many years to get in the ground. And so if we can chip six months here and a few months here off of that timeline, you know, that's what we want to do. Why are we carving rural out here? Uh, what has made some of their challenges unique compared to other parts of the state? Um, you know, I think that Scott kind of hit a little bit on it. Um, you know, in, in terms of one of the things that you know, we, we work on at, at Okra is, is the capacity challenges that our rural communities face. Um, you know, they have limited capacity in terms of both, you know, financial and human capacity. So, you know, one of the things that we need to uh, help them address is, is really how do they overcome these complex problems with a small population. Um, and, you know, we've seen across the state that a lot of rural communities have continued to see a decrease in population. And so, you know, how, how do we help them? And I, I think it's simple. It's we make, we ensure that we're providing the best resources to those local leaders so that they can make an informed decision. Um, you know, because often those uh, leaders, you know, where, 10, 15 different hats. They're on, you know, all these different boards as well as being on the town council or the city council or the county commissioner. And so it's a lot, it's a lot to handle. And so we realize that, um, that that's, that capacity is challenging. And so we, we need to ensure that we're providing you know, data and metrics and best practices in an easily understood 
and digestible format um, because they don't have a lot of time to to mess around with doing you know uh, all the research and looking through all the emails because um, time is limited and it's certainly an important component of this and so you know that that along with the you know the financial capacity and so we've had several communities um, you know because we're in the round of having our CWG community development block grant funds open for wastewater drinking water. So we've had several communities that are concerned about their ability to provide their local match, even though they have, you know, wastewater issues, even though they're under maybe an agreed order with, with IDEM, but they're not really sure what the pandemic and, you know, the, the financial crisis that's going on right now is going to impact their budgets. And so they, they're going to hold out another round or maybe to, to wait and see. And so, you know, we, we need to help them, you know, provide good information to them as they make those decisions. We need to provide resources that uh, you know, helps meet the, those needs at the highest priority, you know, and so I know that, you know, talking to some of the, the resource, uh, some of the communities around the state as we've been getting out there and traveling, a lot of their businesses have been able to, to stay on in their downtowns, but uh, those businesses stay open help them pivot. And so, you know, a good partner that that we've been strengthening our relationship is Indiana Small Business Development Centers. And so I know, you know, David Vaughn and, you know, all the different, uh, the regional groups are out there helping, providing that information of how do they pivot in the new digital virtual world of selling their goods on eBay or taking online orders for restaurants, um, you know, because the, the last thing we want is, when we get on the other side of this, whenever that happens, um, and we start seeing uh, our economy bounce back, is uh, that all those good and great entrepreneurs have moved on or shifted focus to some other parts of the country or some other parts of the state. So we're, we're wanting to help provide those resources um, in, in the smaller communities because uh, of the capacity issues that they're, they're really facing. Yeah, man, I would just add uh, to your point, uh, coming from a, you know, living in a small community of a thousand people and having played leadership role in, in that community in the past, you're absolutely right. Resources are limited, both people, capital and, and financial. And so one of the things I've, I've seen that's helped communities, kind of uh, rural communities particularly, kind of move through those limitations is uh, partnering regionally, right? And so we see partnerships cropping up all over the state. The, the Northwest, uh, as I mentioned, the Southwest, the Southeast, the Northeast, Central, we're seeing this happen in, in a way that I think will will really, uh, you know, bring more resources to the table for these small and sometimes tiny communities that are rural. And those resources, you know, at the regional level can be engineers and, and financial folks and, and attorneys and, you know, resources that are not available maybe in one particular small community may be available in another community. And binding those regionally together uh, is a way that, that particularly the rural communities can kind of band together. And, 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 you know, similar to the state, you know, I can tell you over the past six months, it has been incredible to see our state agencies come together and work collaboratively. Matt went through some of this and the Lieutenant Governor's family of business, the governor's uh, agencies, you know, dozens of these agencies have been working on broadband and collaborating and bringing resources together. We, we wouldn't be where we are today without that collaboration. The same thing can happen in rural Indiana 
and you know creating things, uh, resources uh, to help that effort uh, is is what we'd like to focus on. So it may be early in terms of our trajectory through and out of the pandemic to make this statement, but there have been <clears throat> some speculation and some comments from site selectors and from others that the pandemic may present a, a renaissance for rural areas as people are now sort of realizing, well, you know, we, we talked uh, before we started today about, you know, what's happening with office space, whether people are coming back to their offices. People are discovering that, you know, they, we don't need to be sort of jammed into offices in urban centers and that that may create an opportunity for people to, to move back to more rural areas and telecommute, which again has implications for broadband, but that there's also opportunities where businesses are also looking at, you know, maybe we don't also need to be in dense areas. And so rural areas may present an opportunity for us to escape, you know, another pandemic and whatever. So how can rural areas in Indiana position themselves to perhaps take advantage of a unique opportunity that's been created on the backside of the pandemic? I guess I could take a shot at that. And Matt, if you uh, want to follow up, you know, one of the things that I think would be extremely helpful in, in terms of, you know, how we you know, receive new population in rural areas. I mean, I, you know, one of the things I focused on is, it is it's actually less about new people moving in and more about giving people living there already access to the technology that will help them contribute to maybe that urban workforce, right? And so living where I live, an hour from Indy, you know, that commute is not possible for many people physically, but as a telecommute, you know, folks living in rural areas such as mine can access you know, maybe higher paying jobs in those urban areas remotely. Uh, and, and of course, all this depends on connectivity at home, right? And so one of the things that, um, you know, it's one of the things that's so important about connectivity is it, it opens that door where a door was previously closed. And so, you know, these investments, as I mentioned before, take time, you know, that local leadership capacity is really where the rubber meets the road in terms of driving those investments as quickly as possible. And so we stand ready to assist any community um, who, who is interested in diving into that, uh, that effort and, and taking it, taking it on. And, and I'd, I'd suggest a very worthy effort at an incredible time. You know, there are more resources, financial resources available today than ever before for deploying broadband. And it's not just deploying broadband, there are adoption resources available and low income adoption resources available. And so if you're sitting here listening to this uh, podcast and your community does not have a leadership group in place, if you're not a broadband ready community, if, if you know you have a challenge and you need help navigating that, please pick up the phone and call me or Matt or email me um, and we will go immediately to work for you. And I would add to to what Scott said. Um, this is this is an interesting topic, one that uh, we're we're talking with uh, IU's Center for Rural Engagement about uh, studying it to see um, the trend and see which communities in rural Indiana will will be impacted by this. So um, it's certainly on our mind as well, you know. And I think that uh, communities should uh, ultimately continue to focus on that quality of life. Um, you know, we, we had a meeting uh, recently with uh, DNR 
they have several trails or multiple trails around the state where they're counting the, the number of individuals that are participating, walking those trails. And from um, 2019 compared to 2020, there's been a 50% increase in traffic on those trails. And so, you know, thinking about uh, adding trails, thinking about parks at the local level where you can go and be outside, be in mother nature. And I think those are the key components of it. Uh, you know, ensuring that your downtown is walkable, helping shop at those small business centers, uh, supporting your local school corporation, um, ensuring that you're uh, making it a great place to, to live, you know, and um, part of that is just welcoming, being welcoming of other individuals that are wanting to move to your community um, despite, um, you know, their background or, you know, where they're from. Um, so I think those are the kind of key components um, that rural communities and all communities can really focus on is, is being that opening, open, welcoming community that is trying to ensure that the residents have you know, high quality of a place to live and, and grow a family or retire and settle and, you know, relax and enjoy life. You know, those are the kind of things that we have been focusing on, you know, at, at Okra, uh, IDDC, IHCDA, Arts Commission. Um, and we're going to continue to focus on is, is looking at those best practices and sharing those across, whether it's main street organizations or, you know, artist districts, um, but just how do we make um, these communities understand the importance of that quality of life and, and really celebrate um, who we are as Hoosiers? Well, and if I could add to that, Matt, I, I think I think it is, uh, you know, the quality of life is key, right? And and but I also want to touch on this this idea that you know folks fleeing urban areas to rural areas, you know, is, is I, I want to mention that you know for for a couple of years now, Lee, you may recall, I've been mentioning this idea that. Rural areas, if connected, could be very beneficial uh, to urban workforce uh, through this telecommuting idea. You know, we talked about this before the pandemic, how these urban areas where people are, we have highly skilled people, they want it to improve their employment. Uh, they're outside of the commuter zone to maybe an urban area. I live, as I mentioned, right on the edge of that commuter zone. You know, with the, with the improvements in connectivity across the state, these rural areas and the workforces within them that want those improved job opportunities can be unlocked. And, and so there's this, I think, uh, the potential for a much more symbiotic relationship between these urban and rural areas to, to grow that workforce uh, through connectivity. I want to thank you both. I think we're at the, the end of our time today, but I want to thank you both. Uh, there's just so much. Uh, there's a lot to unpack in terms of next steps forward. Uh, as we move out of the pandemic, and I appreciate all that you you both are doing, and within that family of business under the lieutenant governor, uh, you know there's a lot of heavy lifting, and and you really reflect the importance of partnerships and how we sort of get get our way out of this. So thanks for taking time today to talk to me. Uh, I've been talking to uh, today to Matt Crouch and Scott Rudd. Uh, Matt is the uh, interim executive director for Okra. Uh, and Scott is the Director of Broadband Opportunities for Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. Uh, Matt, Scott, again, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Lee. Thanks again, Lee.
This has been the IEDA In Your Ear podcast brought to you by Wabash Valley Power Alliance. Thank you for listening. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, and all rights are reserved. Mm -hmm.